Episode 6, How and Why I Learned German. This is the story of how I went from believing that I had no talent for learning languages and being the worst in my class, to how I became fluent in German and ended up graduating with the highest mark in the history of my school. 20 years ago, I had a secret. I've never spoken openly about this secret until now, but it explains why I was suddenly able to accelerate my German to such a high level in a relatively short amount of time. In this episode, I'm going to share my German story with you and reveal what I believe is the most important thing you need to know to become successful at learning any language. If this is the first time you're listening, then welcome. I am James, an English teacher living in Sao Paulo. This podcast is to help my students develop their English comprehension and vocabulary. If you find this episode difficult to understand at any moment, then I recommend reading the free transcript while you listen. You can find it on my website at schoolofduda.com. I will begin this story by admitting that German was not actually the first foreign language I attempted to learn. When I started high school at the age of 11, we were forced to learn French. I say forced because it was a compulsory lesson and the experience was so terrible that it nearly put me off learning languages for life. Needless to say, today, sadly, I don't speak a word of French. Thankfully, in the second year of high school, we were also forced to learn German. But fortunately, with this language, things were different. One obvious explanation for why I connected more with German than French might be because English is a Germanic language. The closer the target language is to your native language, typically, the easier it is to learn. Despite German's complicated grammar, English and German are considered 60% lexically similar, meaning that many of the words look related. One example is water in English. In German, Wasser. French, on the other hand, is a Romance language, so it is more distant from English, but closer to other Romance languages like Spanish, Portuguese or Italian. This is why it is often much easier for a Spanish person to learn French than an English person. But I think the most important reason for why I liked German was my teachers. They were all really interesting people who were passionate about teaching. They made an effort to make the lessons fun and as close to real-life experiences as possible. My French teacher was the complete opposite. Every lesson, she made us copy words from a French textbook while she complained about our low test scores. In the third year, I was allowed to stop learning one language, so I dropped French. This was the first year that I went on the German school exchange. I was partnered with a German boy called Friedhof and spent two weeks living with his family in Kehl, a small German town next to the River Rhine. It was my first experience of Germany, and I loved it. Each day we'd go visit a different historic German town. For some reason, the shops in Germany sold alcohol to us, despite the fact we were only 14 years old. So normally, by 10am, my friends and I had already drunk a few beers and were having a great time walking around speaking German to the locals while trying to avoid being caught red-handed by our teachers. 
If someone catches you red-handed, it means they witnessed you in the act of breaking the rules or doing something wrong. My German host family were really nice, and although they all spoke perfect English, they were patient enough to let me try to speak German with them. This opportunity to speak with German natives gave me lots of confidence and motivation to keep learning. Each year, I would return to the same family, and when I was 16, Fritjof's dad even got me a summer job in the steel factory where he worked. Working in a German steel factory was one of those very random but quite extraordinary experiences that life sometimes offers you. This immersion in German life improved my fluency and gave me some priceless stories, but perhaps these can wait for another episode. To graduate from high school in England, you must take the final GCSE exams. This stands for the General Certificate of Secondary Education. Some of the subjects are compulsory, like maths, science and English, but some you are allowed to choose yourself. I told my German teacher that I wanted to choose German as one of my subjects. She seemed surprised and more or less advised me not to do it. She explained that normally only students from the higher level German class continued to GCSE level, not lower level students like me. On hearing this, my heart sank a little, but I had already decided that I was going to learn to speak German and so I was not going to let anyone discourage me. I have this memory from when I was a little boy. I was in a cafe listening to a couple speaking a strange foreign language, and I thought that this was just the coolest thing in the world. They were like foreign spies speaking in a secret coded language that nobody else could understand. It is embarrassing to admit this now, but this childish fantasy was the first seed for this idea planted in my head. For a young English boy who didn't know a single person who spoke a foreign language, this seemed like a magical ability to me, like having a superpower. Despite all my enthusiasm, perhaps the biggest obstacle were the limits I created in my own mind. At this time, I really believed that I had no talent for languages. I was in the top class for maths, and solving equations came easy to me. I had accepted that my brain was good at numbers, but not words. I was terrible at spelling, my writing was painful to read, and my knowledge of grammar was basically non-existent. I'm not joking when I say I didn't even know what a noun was until I started learning foreign languages. And just, just for the record, in case any of my private students are listening and they're getting worried, um, I do know a lot more grammar now, so don't worry. But uh, yeah, I certainly didn't learn it at school. I just learned it learning and teaching languages. Anyway, if you're in the lower class for English, they automatically put you in the lower level class for German so that we don't slow down the students in the higher level classes. I guess it makes sense logically, but for me personally, it didn't feel very fair. I decided to take the matter into my own hands and found a private native German teacher to give me a lesson once a week after school. Gradually, I began to make some progress. When my teacher at school noticed, she moved me up to the higher level class in German. Two years later, I received an A grade in my final exams, which in turn gave me the confidence to continue studying German at A level. 
These are the advanced level qualifications you need if you want to go to university. After you've finished high school at the age of 16, then you are free to get a job or continue your education at college level to study for your A-level exams. So, from the age of 17 to 18, I studied maths, physics, design and German A-levels. Studying foreign languages at this level was not a very popular thing to do in England, or at least it wasn't 20 years ago at my school. There just isn't the same culture for learning languages like there is in other European countries. Many British people think it is unnecessary because most of the rest of the world speak English anyway. This was reflected by the fact that there were only four students in my German A-level class. For me, this was actually a great thing. Our German teachers were able to give us a lot more attention. Classes for other, more popular subjects may have more than 15 or even 20 students. Despite all my efforts, when I began my German A-level, I was back to being the worst in the class again. There was one girl in the class who was very studious. She studied a lot and as a result was much better than me. The other two students were my friends, Chris and Stefan, who both had German mothers that had spoken the language with them since they were born. Obviously, they were miles better than me. I mean, much, much better. We spent the lessons chatting in German with our teachers. It was fun. Chris and Stefan enjoyed laughing at my terrible German pronunciation and my poor speaking skills in general, but I didn't mind. There was a great atmosphere in this classroom and we all became very comfortable at making jokes at one another's expense. It was the perfect environment for making mistakes and learning. After college, I wanted to study architecture at Nottingham University, but to be accepted on this extremely competitive course, I would need an A grade for German. Currently, I was only predicted to get a C or perhaps a B grade at best. My chances were not looking good. I didn't know it, but something unexpected was about to happen. We were halfway through the first year when a new German assistant teacher introduced herself as Patrizia. She was studying to become a teacher of English and French at the University of Dusseldorf in Germany. As part of her qualification, she needed experience working in a foreign school. And as fate would have it, she was offered a position at our school. As we were studying for our German A-level, we were lucky enough to have a one-on-one -on -one class with her for an hour each week to practice our speaking skills. As it was not an official lesson, we would have to meet Patrizia outside of the teacher's staff room and then look for a classroom that was available. It was on one of these occasions, while I was waiting for her outside of the teacher's staff room, that the circumstances of my life took a sudden change of direction. Patrizia was a very happy and friendly person who always greeted everyone with a smile. But when she opened the door that day, there was certainly no smile on her face. She didn't say a word. She just gave me a cold, angry stare and walked straight past me. She marched off in search of a classroom, walking so fast that I almost lost her in the maze of corridors. When we finally sat down in a classroom to start the lesson, 
She still had the same angry expression on her face and didn't speak to me for what felt like a very long time. Something was seriously wrong, and for some reason, her anger seemed to be directed at me, but I had absolutely no idea why. When I tried asking her what was wrong, she looked surprised and said, you know what is wrong. At this point, I started to get worried. After a few more moments of confusion, she eventually asked me, why didn't you show up on Saturday night? I still had no idea what she was talking about. She explained that Chris and Stefan had arranged for me to meet her for a drink in Manchester. So poor Patrizia had gone to a bar in the centre of the city all by herself, only to be stood up. If you are stood up, it means that the person you arranged to meet for a date never appears. Later, I discovered that Chris and Stefan had been drinking the night before at a party and thought it would be a good idea to arrange a date between me and Patrizia. The problem was that they had got so drunk that they completely forgot to tell me about it the next day. Despite my innocence, I apologise for the fact that my friends were complete and utter idiots. At the same time, I was quite pleased that Patrizia had actually wanted to meet me for a drink. I insisted that I owed her a drink to make up for the situation. And so, in the end, she accepted my invitation to go for a drink the following weekend. That next Saturday, we shared a few drinks in the bars of Manchester. The night was a success. Not only had I actually shown up this time, but we both had a really good time. At the end of the night, we said goodbye at the metro station and shared a quick kiss before I jumped on the last train home. I was lost in my own thoughts, thinking about the evening with Patrizia and the kiss, when suddenly the metro stopped. With all the excitement, I had lost track of the time. I forgot that after midnight, the metro stops operating. I was now stuck on a dark platform in a dangerous suburb of Manchester, wondering what I was gonna do next. A taxi home would have cost 50 pounds, a small fortune that I didn't have. I really didn't like the idea of calling my parents in the middle of the night and asking them to rescue me. So I decided the best option was to call Patricia and ask if I could stay at her place in Manchester. I don't know if she believed my story, but thankfully she agreed. So a short 10 minute taxi ride later, I was knocking on her front door. That night was the beginning of what would turn into a three year long relationship. From then on, I would spend every weekend with Patricia in Manchester. From Friday night until Sunday afternoon, we spent every possible moment together. It was a special time in our lives. She was my first proper girlfriend. By proper, I mean it was my first genuine relationship that meant something to me. Patricia was funny, adventurous, and a little bit eccentric. If you're eccentric, it means you behave in an unconventional and sometimes extreme way. I think that it is fair to say that anyone who starts dating a student at the school where they work is by definition a little unconventional. She was intense, but only in the best possible sense of the word. In my eyes, she was this beautiful, intelligent, young European woman, cultured and open-minded. 
She spoke five languages, six if you include Latin, but nobody includes Latin. Although she was born in Germany, her parents were actually Polish. She had studied Spanish and lived in France before arriving in England. As you can imagine, I found all this very attractive. She made it her mission to help me improve my German, and so spoke to me in her native tongue for much of the time. As she introduced me to her world, she became my motivation, and learning had never been so fun. We agreed it would be best to keep our relationship a secret. In the beginning, only Chris and Stefan knew. Our relationship was something of a grey area. Were we actually breaking any rules? Would we get in trouble if anyone at the school found out? If it were any other school, I don't think anyone would have cared too much. After all, Patrizia was not a real teacher, nor employed by the school. She was a 23-year-old university student getting experience as a teacher assistant, and I was a 17-year-old college student. But the problem was, we were not just at any school. We were at my school, where a few years earlier there had been a big scandal because a 30-year-old female teacher had an affair with a 16-year-old high school student. I remember the paparazzi of photographers standing outside our school taking pictures and how the story was on the front page of all the British newspapers. It was a serious embarrassment for the school's reputation. Even though our situation was very different, I was worried that if the newspapers somehow found out, they might use it as an excuse to create another scandal just to sell more newspapers. I really liked my school and had a lot of respect for my teachers, so the last thing I wanted was to cause them any problems. We did well to keep our relationship secret for as long as we did, but eventually rumours did begin to spread around the school. And one day I got invited to go to the deputy headmaster's office for a chat. Later I discovered that Chris's ex-girlfriend who always enjoyed being the centre of attention, had decided to tell everyone. The deputy headmaster asked me directly if there was any truth in the rumours. Sensing that he didn't want to hear an honest answer, I lied and told him it was just gossip. He was a kind and wise-looking man, and I don't think he was fooled by my answer for a second. Great news, he said, as he looked me straight in the eye. If anyone else ever asks you about this, then just tell them what you told me and we won't have a problem. Feeling very relieved, we exchanged smiles and I disappeared out of his door as quickly as possible. After one year, Patricia had to return to her university as her time at our school had come to an end, but our relationship did not. We used to joke that we were living the European dream as every couple of weeks we would make the short flight over the sea to spend a weekend with each other. I'm happy to say that everything worked out well in the end. With Patrizia gone, I could focus on my final exams. On results day, I managed to get the A grades that I needed to study architecture at university. Not only this, but my German teachers were especially proud, because apparently I'd achieved the highest result ever in the history of our school's German department. And the other surprise that day was that my half-German friends, Chris and Stefan, both missed out on getting an A grade for German. 
I don't like to let them forget about this, especially when we're in the pub and they are having a laugh at my expense. So, what then is the lesson from this story? And what do I believe is the most important thing you need to know to become successful at learning a language? I realised my childhood desire to speak in a foreign language and in the process discovered that the idea that some people are not good at languages simply is not true. If I can become fluent in a foreign language, then anyone can. We all know this to be true because we were all successful at becoming fluent in our native language. And essentially, the way our brain learns other languages is no different. I also discovered that love is an infinite resource that can empower us to achieve things that we didn't think were possible. Finding the right motivation is the most important thing you need when learning a language. No matter how challenging it is to learn or how long it takes, if you have the right motivation, then you'll always find a way to overcome any difficulty. In my case, it was the relationships with my German friends and then girlfriend that became the source of my motivation to learn. Obviously, spending hundreds of hours speaking to Patrizia is what made the difference for me, but having that relationship and wanting to be there with her more than anywhere else was my motivation. But your motivation does not have to involve falling in love. It could be something as ridiculous as a childish fantasy to speak a secret language or the friendships you make while on a school exchange program. Your motivation can be anything. Maybe the desire to travel, live or work in a foreign country. Whatever it is, it needs to be important enough to bring you something meaningful. Motivation is not watching a YouTube video about a guy who speaks 10 languages and then feeling inspired to start learning a new language the next day. That type of motivation will fade away quickly. In my experience, the best source of motivation comes from connecting with real people, whether that is family, friendship, or even a romantic relationship. Learning languages to share conversations and experiences with people from other cultures is the ultimate goal of language learning, in my opinion. Okay, my final confession before I end is that when my relationship with Patrizia finally came to an end, so too did the main source of my motivation. For the last 20 years, I've spent exactly no time studying German, and as a result, my level today is embarrassingly bad. So, if you ever try to speak German with me, please don't expect much. I know it's still there inside of my brain somewhere, and hopefully one day I'll find a good reason to activate it again. Okay, this is the end of this episode. So, what motivates you to learn languages? Why not answer by leaving me a comment on my website under this podcast episode, or on Instagram? Likewise, if you have any thoughts about my German story, then I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, then please share it with a friend. You can also leave me a review on whichever platform you are listening on. Okay, thank you once again for listening, and I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Until next time.